is my home ever going to be valued as high as it is right now? Should I sell my house and move? Where would we go? Maybe we should buy an RV. Park it at a campsite. See how the market is in a couple of years. These are all questions I've asked my wife, and it's all an emotional response to what's going on in the housing market right now. And it all boils down to the one question that I've been asking myself. Are we in a housing bubble? Welcome, everybody, to Understanding the Power of Money, what everyone needs to know about money but are too afraid to ask. Money's powerful, and we all ask ourselves the same big questions. How much is enough? Can I afford that? How do I make my money grow? And of course, when can I buy my beach house? Those are the questions everyone thinks about, and this podcast will help you find the answers. My name is Amit Chopra, and welcome to Understanding the Power of Money. My parents recently sold their home. A couple of years too late, if you ask my older brother and I. It was my childhood home, a little nostalgic, but they were able to take advantage of this post-COVID housing spike and get more for their home than they even thought they would have six months ago. The problem is they sold their home for 25% less than they could have sold it for in 2008. 13 years later, and their home still hadn't recovered to the inflated value that it had in 2008, and it might never get to that value again. Now, there are a number of circumstances for this. based on where they live, the demographics, the changing neighborhood, all of that stuff plays a part in it, um, right? So obviously there's a number of circumstances uh, for why that's happening as most of the country's home prices have recovered and exceeded their 2008 values. But it doesn't stop me from trying to convince my wife to sell our current house. Somehow I have this emotional response and think that I'm never going to be able to sell my home for more than it's valued at right now. Now, this is irrational and, you know, purely rooted in an emotional response as well as, uh, you know, my own financial behavioral idiosyncrasies are shaped by my past. So seeing what happened with my parents' home obviously shapes my emotional response as well. But it did start me thinking. Are we in a housing bubble? So let's talk about that today. Let's get a quick definition out of the way. What's a housing bubble or really a bubble in anything? Uh, It's pretty straightforward. It's when you have excess demand uh, and a bit of a short supply, and that demand is being caused by something that is is not going to be here forever or could go away, such as uh, super low interest rates or uh, shady lending practices, uh, right. Things that are causing the, the spike in demand that might get pulled out from underneath you. And all of a sudden the demand falls and the supply that, right. Everybody thought, Oh, I better get my house on the market. Oh, I better sell whatever it is that, that everybody wants right away. And then if you're the last in your home price, your home price collapses. So a housing bubble, simply put, is a run up in housing prices fueled by demand, speculation and exuberant spending to the point of collapse. So you see bubbles like this uh, all over. Um, 
a, a perfect example. I just built a computer with my son. Uh, he is only eight years old, but I am tired of him asking me uh, that to tell him why the Wi-Fi isn't working. He had to understand how electronics work. So I built a computer with him. We cannot get a video card because there is a semiconductor shortage in this country. So there. So what's happening now is companies like NVIDIA and Acer and AMD, all who make computer graphics cards, are raising the prices of their cards because there's a bit of a bubble. There's a lot of demand and there's a shortage. So they can raise their prices. Now, is that a true bubble? Will it pop and will all of a sudden prices collapse? Or is this going to be the new norm for the GPU market? So let's get a little context, though. What was 2008 like compared to right now? So in 2008, you know, I can draw a straight line from the terrorist attacks of 2001, from 9-11-2001, uh, to the housing bubble in 2008, uh, for, to the housing bubble bursting. When 9-11 occurred, uh, the Federal Reserve lowered interest rates as a way of making people feel good. When you, when you lower interest rates, the price of borrowing money is lower. It's easier to buy a home. It's easier to buy a new car. It's easier to borrow money in your credit card because your interest rate is lower. In general, you feel richer. You may not be, but you feel it. So we lowered interest rates after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. It helped fuel the housing bubble. Now, that's part of it. People were taking on loans that they couldn't afford. Lenders were pushing uh, mortgages like interest-only loans. They were pushing mortgages with no income verification. Uh, I remember reading a story about a California farmer. I think he made like $40,000 a year, and he got a mortgage for $800,000. So 2008 had a lot of demand, but that demand was artificial because we were providing loans to people who at some point were not going to be able to afford those loans. We saw what happened. So where are we today? How is it different from where we are today? Well, we do still have extremely low interest rates. That is definitely helping to fuel some of the housing bubble here or some of the housing market. Let's not call it a bubble yet. Some of the housing market. Now, there's other reasons for it. Do you know the average age of a first-time home buyer is 33 years old? Yeah, 33 years old. So what we have to do is we have to look at the birth rates from 33 years ago. If birth rates go down, real estate prices are not going to go up, right? So birth rates 33 years ago were pretty good. So we have this natural move out of cities and into suburbs, and COVID helped to accelerate that process. So that's part of it. Now, you're still going to have 29-year-olds, 28-year-olds, 26-year-olds move into New York City. They're still going to live their best life for four, five, six, seven, eight years, but eventually most of them get into a relationship, perhaps to get married, have some children, and the suburbs be become a place where they're going to go. So our current situation is definitely different than 2008. Now, for many of you, uh, my clients included, because I have instructed many of my clients to look to refinance their mortgage, if you have done that, you have recognized that banks are asking for a lot more information, right? There's no such thing as no income verification anymore. Um, 
right? I'm I'm surprised my the bank isn't asking for for what my children have in their 529 accounts. Right. So we know that banks are being much more cautious about what they're lending and who they're lending to. They have much higher reserves in place now. So if there are defaults on their on these loans, banks are not going to have a liquidity issue. They have the they have the the cash put aside for defaults specifically. In February of this year, according to Forbes, price, prices of houses surged 12% year over year. So the thing is, stats like this are slightly misleading. In February of 2020, we were about to go through a pandemic. Uh, half of the month, we we learned about the, a pandemic. It kind of makes sense that home prices fell a little bit. It makes sense that home prices have gone up from a year ago. We're going to hear a lot of statistics right now comparing things to a year ago. Corporate earnings, for example. Yes, yes, right? Uh, restaurant companies, uh, restaurants, of course, their earnings were worse a year ago. Their earnings are going to be pretty stellar right now comparatively to a year ago. That's because restaurants weren't open a year ago. So we're going to see this. Don't let these statistics kind of mislead you. I, I tell you because I, I use this statistic because, frankly, 12% year over year is still very high. Um, you know, you're you're seeing uh, median listing prices grow by 19% uh, over the past year. That is huge. 46% uh, of homes, according to Redfin, are selling over list price. Absolutely insane. But is that really a bubble? We've had a couple of issues here. Yes, lots of people are moving. There's a lot of demand. There's not a ton of supply right? Because as much as I try and convince my wife, and I don't really do a very good job of this, uh, to sell our house because I feel like it's at a higher a higher value than I might be able to get for it in the future, where are we going to go, right? If I sell my house for 30% more than it, it was worth a year ago, the house I'm going to buy is going to be worth 30%, is going to be 30% inflated as well, right? Yeah, I can move to a lower cost of living area, but those areas are booming, People are moving to Florida. People are moving to Texas, right? People are moving out of higher cost of living areas and moving to these lower cost of living areas. And those areas, their cost of living is increasing. But I have young children. Where are most of us going to go? So you're having a lot of demand, but you're also having a bit of a supply issue. Housing supply has dropped 53% compared to what it was last year. And now we'll take it one step further. You're starting to find that buyers are actually getting a little bit more discouraged. So CNBC had an article last week, uh, and I, I think they're recording, they're recording Redfin from a survey that Redfin did in January, saying that half of all buyers, 56% actually, are facing bidding wars in their offers. So it's one of those things where buyers are coming in with strong offers now because they don't want to get into bidding wars uh, and are snatching up supply a lot faster. So you don't have the ability to have four open houses. Most of the time, especially in the area I live, which is in, in Bergen County, New Jersey, you're seeing homes go on the market. And the average time on the market in Ramsey, New Jersey, uh, I believe was 17 days The other uh, when, I, when I looked last month. Uh, comparatively to this time last year, last year was 46 days, I believe. So it, there's clearly a difference. 
You're seeing less people build homes right now because the price of material has grown. So it has gone up. So people are trying to buy homes more. So are we in a housing bubble? I don't think so. Uh, You know, yes, our asset and real estate prices artificially high because of the Federal Reserve, uh, because of low interest rates, because of um, COVID. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's true. Uh, but what, what you're seeing right now is real demand, real demand from people who have, uh, yes, very, very truly, they have moved out of the city a little sooner than they probably would have because of COVID. But Nonetheless, you're seeing a, a, a pretty normal and real demand for housing. Um, as much as I know of people, anecdotally, I guess, that are not looking for new construction or looking to build a home because of the cost, you are seeing home builders like Lennar and Toll Brothers all continue with plans to continue to build homes. And if that happens, if you see a continuation of home building, the price of materials will regulate you will see that the price of materials start to regulate. So is this a true housing bubble? I don't think anybody can answer it until uh, until a few years from now. I don't believe so. Uh, I do think, obviously, that it's a difficult time to try and buy a home. It is a seller's market, uh, indicated by the fact that you have more than half of buyers that get into bidding wars. So that is, that is clearly ind- indicative of a seller's market. But I also think that you don't have a ton of sellers because people don't really have anywhere to go. They don't want to spend 30% more on their next place. And in some cases, selling their primary residence to downsize or to retire somewhere else has no longer, it no longer has the economic benefit that it did before because of the rise in home prices. So I think we'll have to wait and see. I do think it's a good opportunity to refinance your mortgage if you have that ability. If you're able to find a home that you like for a reasonable price that fits within your budget, then that's great. But I don't think you're going to see this pop in home values uh, where home values all of a sudden plummet like we saw after the burst in 2008. I think what you'll see is you'll see a slowing of home price rising, of home prices rising, and that's okay. That's natural. There's a, there's an ebb and flow to all markets, but don't let the media or don't let what's going on have you make an emotional decision. Uh, and buying homes and in general real estate is very easy to make an emotional decision. Um, I love my home; it is wonderful. But when we bought it, we we had missed out on two other homes because of because of bidding wars uh, about six years ago. And I know I I have a budget. I'm a financial planner. Hopefully, I have a budget. Uh, and I knew where we could we could bid up to, and we lost out on two homes. When we found our current home. We jumped in feet first because it was emotional. Uh, we stuck to our plan. We stuck to our budget. Uh, we did all the right things, but at the same time, um, we were not willing to lose out on this house. We jumped in with both feet, made a very strong offer, spoke to the owner directly, and and virtually begged him to take our offer because we did not want to go through that process again. So I completely understand that buying real estate, buying your first home is very emotional Speak to a professional 
speak to someone to a third party sit down write it out right do the math see if it's worth it see if 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 you're going over budget i don't ever think it's going to be worth it um most people think that renting is a complete waste of money uh but it's not you absolve yourself of a huge amount of liability when you rent if things break they're not they're not your um they're not your burden they are your uh, landlord's burden which is great uh, obviously buying a home helps to build equity. People want to do that. If you're young, you want to do that, but don't think that if you make a decision to wait on buying a home this year and you continue to rent for another year that you have somehow done something wrong or that you failed, you have to understand the power of money and the power of money is making decisions that give you more freedom in the future. Housing costs are a huge burden on people. And yes, we live there. I shouldn't say burden, but it's a huge financial cost to people. Uh, it used to be you wanted to spend about 35% of your take-home pay on housing. That number has grown to 50% now. So making smart decisions is not failure. It's success right? Renting for another year of success, understanding how powerful money is and how powerful it is to make smart decisions will set you up for the future. If building wealth is important to you, then you need a plan. And the first step to any good financial plan is a budget. If you'd like a free copy of the budgeting template that I use personally and have shared with hundreds of clients over the past 15 years, check out the link in the description. This is a comprehensive budgeting template that you can use as much of or as little of as you need and customize it to you. In the meantime, do me a favor and share this podcast with others in whatever way serves you best. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to everyone next episode.